Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter number 20. Exodus chapter number 20 this morning. Uh, I'm glad that you're here today. Thank you for uh, all the wonderful music and uh, Exodus chapter 20. We are continuing our series of I Love Sundays, making Sundays the best day of the week. And today I want to speak to you on the subject of good Sundays make better Mondays. Good Sundays make better Mondays. And uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, Sunday should in fact be the best day of the week. I thought maybe something happened and everybody went home or something. I didn't know. The truth of the matter is Sunday should be the best day of the week. And uh, I mean, uh, we should be excited about coming to church, excited about Sundays, excited about what God is going to do and how he's going to speak. And, and just being able to worship corporately as we've been worshiping uh, 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 to, uh, uh, individually all week long and uh, preparing ourselves for Sunday. And so uh, today, I, I think that the uh, initial conclusion of today, Exodus chapter number 20, if you uh, have been in church any length of time, you know that is dealing with the Ten Commandments. And, and of course, today we're going to talk about uh, uh, remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. But I, I want to take a new turn on it, a new twist on it, not changing by any stretch of the imagination because I would never uh, uh, do that, the Word of God, but just taking the idea that if we have a good Sunday, if we make Sunday our priority in our life and we worship together and we worship well together and literally we allow this day to be a day of rest, that when Monday comes along, it won't be a drag. Because see, here's the truth of the matter. Everybody loves Friday. Do you love Friday? You know, they had all that TGIF stuff and all that, and they love Friday. And Saturdays, they used to love Saturdays, but then all of a sudden Saturdays got real busy. And so what we've done is, is we've replaced Saturday with Sunday. And we've decided that, you know, the things that we used to do on Saturday, but now we're so busy or we're working or we're doing other things, we'll do them on Sunday now. And now Sunday is no longer a priority in our lives, but now it has become subpar. It has become something that whenever we have time to do it, we'll do it. And then Monday rolls around and it's a dread because Monday starts our work week again and we've never had a moment to rest and worship in the Lord. And so I want to propose to you as I did last week, that Sunday was meant to be the best day of your week. During Jesus' day, the Jews had all sorts of laws about what you could and could not do on the Sabbath. And on one Sabbath, Jesus was with his disciples. And we dealt some with this last week, but for those that weren't here, I just want to reiterate the thought. And they were debating which things applied to them in the New Testament uh, that, were, that were there during the law of the Old Testament. And which things didn't. And, and excuse the phrase, but literally, in a show-stopping statement, Jesus clarified God's purpose for the Sabbath. And it was this. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for who? Man. And not man for the Sabbath. The, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God made the Sabbath. God made a, a, a day of rest for 
man because he understood the flesh. He understood our bodies because obviously he is the one that created them. What Jesus was saying was, of all the days of the week, God knew we would need a day to break from everything else that we were doing and refuel and refresh and refocus. And that's exactly what Sunday is for. Sunday is a day to refuel your body, to refresh your body, to refocus your body and your heart and your soul on the things of Jesus Christ. So when God was arranging the rhythm of the world, he designed one day, that being Sunday, for the day of refueling. Study the history of Christianity and I think you'll see that whenever people have taken the time to set aside a day for rest and refocus with God... Their lives have gone much better. They've, uh, they, they felt better about themselves. They enjoyed their families more and experienced literally what I like to call the smile of God because they are doing what God has commanded us as Christians to do, and that is to remember and keep the Sabbath. The problem is, however, in 2015, we live in a never-stopping culture where 24, uh, day, or excuse me, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we never have enough time because we never stop worrying about deadlines and we never feel like we're making enough money in our lives to guarantee our happiness. Day in and day out, we live in and under pressure. We live in and under pressure. How many of you would say, if you were honest with me this morning, that you feel like your life is surrounded by deadlines and pressure? Be honest. Deadlines and pressure. You know what the truth of the matter is, is I would say that was a true statement. Even as you walked into church this morning and you sat down, many of you sat down and you thought to yourself as you sat there, you thought about a deadline, you thought about a pressure that's going to arise. Maybe as soon as you walk out of these doors or maybe as you get ready to go to work tomorrow and you wonder, are you going to have enough time to do that pressure or that deadline so that there's no uh, uh, repercussions? We live with pressure. If you set the back of the clock in our country 100 years, 200 years, or maybe even 300 years, there was a lot less pressure. Nobody worked on Sundays. Businesses were closed for the day. There were no kids traveling all-star teams in baseball and football games. People use Sunday for a day of rest. Which I know seems very old-fashioned, but I don't know about you. Doesn't that old-fashioned style of li- lifestyle call to you? And it should. Can I tell you something? That the pressure and the busyness of life is self-inflicted. Okay. I know you're saying, Pastor, it's time to move on. <laughs> I get it. But I want you to evaluate for a moment the truth of the statement. That, that many things that we do in our lives, we do them and they are self-inflicted. They are, they are things that we have chosen to do, what have then in turn returned, uh, are turned into a responsibility and into a pressure. And we're not sure if we have enough time to get them all accomplished. So what do we do? We exchange the busyness of life to say, you know what, Sundays... 
the most important day of the week, the greatest day of the week, is now no longer going to be a priority. These other things that have manifested themselves in my life is now a priority. And this is what I would say to that. I would say because America has done that, we have taken many steps backwards and zero steps forward. Because we have decided that Sunday, the one day of the week, the one day of the week that God has asked for us to set aside as a day to focus on Him, we now focus on everything else. And you say, Pastor, that, that's not a fair statement. You don't know my job, and you don't know my boss, and you don't know the responsibilities, and you don't know the fact that sometimes I have to work on Sundays and all that kind of stuff. Listen to me. I get all of that. Before I became, uh, before I, I, I went into full-time ministry, as far as uh, uh, being a senior pastor, I worked in the armored car industry. I know what it's like to have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning and get dressed and go to work and, and open a branch and do all those kind of things and work all day long. I know what that's like because of the pressure of a boss or whatever. But can I tell you, this, there's a difference between a requirement and a volunteer, there's a difference between I'm required to do it and I just need a little bit more money. Because I believe with all my heart that if we do what God has asked us to do and do what God has called us to do and keeping the Sabbath day, keeping the day of Sunday holy as he is required, he'll take care of all the rest of it. Because I don't know about you, your boss doesn't own a cattle on a thousand hills and the hills too. My God owns that, and he will take care of us. In prior generations, Americans got a lot less done on Sundays, but as a result, they got a lot more done on Mondays. After a day of rest, they attacked the week eagerly, and work was considered a noble thing. Athletes have found they perform better by working hard and then resting, working hard and then resting, instead of working hard all the time. Our muscles were designed for stress and then release. So are our souls. It's a stress and release idea. Imagine this for a minute. What if we took a step backward in order to go forward? What if we took a step backward in order to go forward? In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, I, I love this thought, was about to enter into the promised land. For 40 years, they had lived in the desert without houses or jobs or responsibilities. As they got ready to enter into the promised land where they would occupy homes and lead working lives, God visited their leader, Joshua, and talked to him about priorities. This is what God told Joshua. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, and you've heard me uh, quote it to you over and over. But, but the very thought of here they are about to enter the promised land, God visits Joshua and says, hey, we're, we're about to take this over. I'm going to talk to you about your priorities for a moment. This is what he said. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all, A-double-L, that is written therein. For then, do you see that? For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Joshua said, I want them to be successful. How does that happen? Meditate day in and day out. And then you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. In other words, this is what God was saying. Joshua, once you and your people settle in, you're going to get very tempted to work, work, work to get ahead. But if you work, work, work to get ahead, you won't get ahead. As a matter of fact, you'll fall behind. You know why? Because 
The Lord basically said to Joshua, the secret to getting ahead is to spending time in the word of God. Because, this is what I want you to get. If you get into this book, this book will get in to you. If you get into this book, this book will get into you. And, this, and when this book, and if this book gets into you, you will become the kind of person who is prosperous and who is successful. Now, I asked you just a moment ago, how many of you felt like you were under pressure and under stress? Let me ask you a different question. You say, Pastor, I didn't know this was interactive church this morning. Well, you just hang on, all right? How many of you would say here this morning that you want to be successful? Now, the rest of you raise your hand. You want to be successful. All of us want to be successful. All of us want to have success in everything that we do in our life. How is that going to happen? First of all, by finding yourself in the word of God. And secondly of all, by observing to do all that is written therein. And by the way, everything that's written therein includes coming to church on Sunday and taking a day to worship him. In the 18th century England, you say, Pastor, is there proof in this? Uh, There absolutely is. Jonathan and Charles Wesley, you may have heard that name before, started a movement that resulted in 100,000 weekly Bible studies by 1798. And for the next 100 years, England was the most prosperous nation in the world. Then do you know what happened? A study went out. Why is England becoming so popular? Well, Jeremiah Lanfear figured it out. Because in 1857, Jeremiah Lanfear started a noontime prayer meeting in the Dutch Reformed Church in downtown New York City that started a movement of Bible reading throughout our country. Do the history. I challenge you to go home and read this historically because I'm telling you, it's amazing to see what God did. As a result, the history of America's westward expansion was marked by households huddled around their kitchen tables at night. And what were they doing? Fathers would read the Word of God. This is, this is, this is just uh, uh, some, a thousand years ago. Listen, 18, 1800s, here's what they did. They read the Word of God to their families each night for how long? For one hour. Imagine that. They would read the word of God, not to their wives, not to themselves, but to their whole families during this revival. And once that Bible reading habit was ingrained in their families, listen to me, over the next 100 years, do the research, the United States became the most prosperous nation on earth. Then what did we do? We took prayer and Bibles out of school. We deflected God completely. We found out that if we can just add that extra day, that Sunday, we can get so much more accomplished. When in fact what we're doing is we are digressing in America. We are no longer progressing. And my proposal this morning to you is that we realize that Sundays and the time that we spend with God should be the most important thing that we do during our week. People today say that they're too busy to read the Bible because they have to work more hours to get ahead. But the Bible says that if you'll read it regularly, you'll become the sort of person who does get ahead. The same is true with the Sabbath. We think we can get ahead by working more, but sometimes the best way to be productive is to rest and refuel for a while. That's the concept of the Sabbath, and God invented it. The way to make your Mondays better is to start 
with Sunday. John Hopkins University put out a study, and this is what they said. 43% of American adults suffer adverse health effects from stress. That's a huge number, ladies and gentlemen. 75% of all visits to a physician's office relate to stress. American industry loses $300 billion annually because of stress-related absenteeism. That's the type of world that we live in. But can I tell you in the Bible, God prescribes 52 Sabbaths a year as part of our health maintenance plan. You didn't know you were coming this morning to get a health maintenance plan, did you? Look at this. I want to think about this. That's seven and a half weeks of spiritual vacation. That's pretty good. I, you know, who would love to have seven and a half weeks paid vacation at their job? Right? That'd be great. Well, God gives us seven and a half weeks of spiritual vacation. Why? Because when he wired us, he constructed us to run best on the rhythm of engagement and withdrawal or stress and then release. If you have your Bibles, if you're standing with me, Exodus chapter number 20. We're just going to read a couple of verses, gather our thoughts, and we'll be done. Exodus chapter number 20. Look with me in verse number 8. The Bible says this, Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 8. Remember the, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse number 9. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Verse number 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within the gates. This one won't be on the screen, but verse number 11, we're going to just stop there. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Father, we love you. Bless, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. I pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have together today. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. First, in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Years ago, I was at a restaurant, and uh, at this restaurant, they only allowed one trip to the salad bar. So I went up to the salad bar, and I gathered everything that I could get on my plate. I stacked it high and wide. Do you know that there was no problem putting the salad on the plate? There was no problem putting the carrot salad and the macaroni salad. Oh, did I say salad? Uh, And the tuna salad and all that kind of stuff. And all the leaves and all the other stuff that goes with the salad. No problem. Do you know what the problem was? It was carrying it back to my table. And I'm going to tell you something, that's the same way it applies in our lives. We don't have any problems stacking it up, stacking it up in our lives, stacking it up in our lives, making this huge, huge plate. The problem that we have is not the plate. The problem we have is carrying the plate. Carrying the pressure, carrying the stress, carrying it all piled up and trying to figure out how to get from one place to the other. It all looks good. Boy, I was ready to eat it all. The problem is, is as I was walking, it was falling beside me. I didn't want to reach down and pick it up. Right? And that's what happens in our lives. Is the things that should be, because I want you to hear this and listen to me. 
Just like the idea of the salad plate, the things that are on the top are the ones that fall off. The things that are the highest priority or should be the highest priority in our lives are the ones that seem to tend to fall off. And today, I I just want to take a few moments and kind of help us to refuel and refocus on what God's plan is to make Sunday the best day of the week and how that we should be able to prioritize our life in such a way that it's pleasing to God. If you're in the habit of taking notes, if you have your bulletin this morning, there's an outline on the back of it if you would like to fill it out. Number one, there is rest in a pattern. There is rest in a pattern. Uh, Exodus chapter number 20 and verse number 9, the Bible says this, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. There is rest in a pattern. Our God is a creating God and he has designed us to be productive and creative. Now don't get me wrong here this morning because I want you to understand, I believe that every person should have a good work ethic. I don't think they went home, but it's okay. Every person should have a good work ethic. My dad, whenever I was a young uh, boy, uh, my dad, the one thing that if he didn't teach me anything else, he taught me how to work. I mean, he understood the idea and the realization of work. And then I'll never forget it. When I was 16 years old, I was sitting at a Captain D's restaurant. My grandfather was sitting across from me. My dad was sitting right there. And I was sitting right there. And I remember the moments leading up to that. Because my dad said to me, your grandpa wants to talk to you. And I'm going to. And I began to recount my life. What did I do wrong? (laughs) But I remember sitting at Captain D's restaurant, and I was sitting across from my grandfather, sitting across from my dad, and I'm eating fish from Captain D's. And I go to put a bite in my mouth, and my grandfather was a man of very, uh, very few words, but very profound man. And I'll never forget, he looked at me right in the eyes, and he said this. He said, boy, that's what he called me. I don't think he actually ever knew my name. Uh, He said, boy, I spent all my life changing truck tires. 18-wheeler truck tires on the side of I-95 and I-75. And my grandfather changed 18-wheel truck tires with one arm. I watched him do it many times. He lost his left arm at the age of 21. And until he was 68 years old, when one fell on him, he was changing semi-truck tires. And he looked over at my dad, and he began to tell me, and your dad, he's done, and my dad's worked in in, uh, agriculture most of his life, uh, with chicken farms and other things. He said, your dad has worked hard, And I have worked hard. And he looked at me dead in the eyes. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, son, you have a good heritage. And I want you to work hard too. He said, but most of all, he said, whatever you do, I don't want you to ever do it half-heartedly. He said, because no matter where I'm at, I'm going to slap you on the back of the head. (laughs) Now, if you don't think I'm not scared of that, that's the truth. My grandfather's in heaven today. But I think he'd send a messenger. 
I believe we ought to work hard. Amen. I do. I think we ought to have a good work ethic. I think we should teach our children to work hard. I, I, I don't think we should be, uh, don't get me on a rat race here, but I don't, I don't think that we should, we, we should allow our children and just give them everything. I think they should have to work. Quiet over here. No. Uh, <laughs> they're going, shh, don't say that. Um, listen, we need a good work ethic, but I believe with all my heart that if we work hard, that I believe that God has designed Sundays to be a day that we can rest in Him. A day that we can rest in the Lord. He designed us to be productive and creative. Psalm chapter 33 and verse number 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Jesus was also known as the carpenter when he was as God who dwelt among us. In other words, he was a hard worker. I believe with all my heart, Jesus was a hard worker and we should be as well. First of all, there is a pattern of work. There is a pattern of work. Someone once said, your work is, is an expression of the image of God in you and it's worth thinking about how your work reflects his character. Did you catch that? It's important to think about that, that your work reflects his character. If, if you're at work and you say, hey, and somebody says, hey, let's go to the game on Sunday. And you say, no, I'm not going to go to the game on Sunday because I'm going to go to church. And if they look at you and go, you go to where? If they haven't figured out that you're a Christian and that you're a church person and a person that cares about God, then, then, then there might be something that's wrong with your character. Because we've got to be people that have got strong character that say, listen, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to stand up against the things that I think is wrong. We need people of character. For by grace are you saved through faith, Ephesians tells us. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What? Not of works, lest any man should boast. That's important. But I want you to read verse number 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. We're to be people that work hard. Working hard is worthwhile in our lives. And when it is time to work, we should work diligently. The Lord will be honored and pleased if we work well. Thomas Edison said it this way, the three great essentials to achieve anything worthwhile are first, hard work, second, stick to and third, common sense. And I think you got it right. Be a hard worker. Not only that, the partitioning of work. How is it partitioned out? How should we work? Well, there is a purpose in everything that we do in our lives, including our work. Even though we may not see the purpose in our work, God always has a purpose. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31, and whether you therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory of God. God also has a schedule for our work. He created days and weeks and months and years. There are certainly times of work, but certainly there are times to set aside for worship and rest. Number two, and I'm going to be quick. There is a rest, there is rest and a practice. This is what I really want you to understand. There is rest in a practice. It is something that we have to schedule ourselves to do. Is go to church and take 
the idea of Sunday as being the rest day. When we take time for Sabbath and rest, we are saying our God is big enough to provide for us even while we rest. Letter A, the enjoyment of a completed work. The enjoyment of a completed work. I want you to uh, look at me in verse number 10. Or verse, let's just do number, number, verse number 9 and 10. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter nor thy manservant, for the maidservant nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Verse number 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Listen, God knows our schedules. God knows our needs within our workplaces. God knows the things that we need to get accomplished at home. God knows all of those things. But he also, and I think it's important, I don't believe God makes any mistakes. Look what he says. Not only did the Lord bless the Sabbath, he hallowed it. He hallowed it. In other words, he was serious about the Sabbath. He was serious about taking that day of rest. Genesis chapter number 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because that in it, he had rested from all his work which God created and made. In order to be fully engaged, sometimes we need to disengage. In order to be fully engaged, sometimes we need to be disengaged. What does that mean? Well, I can remember many times in my life where, where I'm doing something and I'm staring right at it and I can't figure it out. Have you ever been there? I mean, you're just staring at an issue and a problem, and you're going, I just cannot figure this problem out. And then you go, I'm going to walk away and get a Pepsi. No, 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 no. I'm going to walk away and get a Pepsi, and I'm going to think on these things. And then you go back to whatever you were doing, and it was staring you right in the face. Because sometimes to engage, we have to disengage. And I believe that's true about every day of the week. We have six days to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish. And those things in which maybe we didn't accomplish, maybe we need to disengage for a day. Not maybe, we do. So that we can go back and re-engage with what God has for us. I saw this story and I thought it was great. One man challenged another to an all-day wood chopping contest. The challenger worked very hard, stopping only for a brief lunch break. The other man had a leisurely lunch and took several breaks during the day. At the end of the day, the challenger was surprised, and not only surprised, was very annoyed to find out that the other fellow had chopped substantially more wood than he had. The challenger said, I don't get it. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, yet you chopped more wood than I did. He said, but did you notice something the winning woodsman said? That I was sharpening my axe when I sat down to rest. Right? That's exactly where we're at on Sundays. We're sharpening our axe. 
We're, 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 we're getting ready to face the world again another day. And we need a day to rest. Your life is similar to a vehicle in many ways. And in one in particular, if you want your vehicle to last and run for many miles, the key is maintenance. The key is maintenance. You know, there's one thing I don't ever like stopping to do. Can I tell you what it is? An oil change. I really don't have time for an oil change. You know why? If I knew how to do it myself, I would. I don't have any problem with the concept of changing my oil. The problem I got is the guy that's standing on the outside of my window going, now you need an air filter, and you need to flush your transmission, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and oh, by the way, one of your brake lights is out, and that's $129. (laughs) The change in the oil is not the problem. It's maintenance. We have to maintain if we are going to survive. And our maintenance for us as Christians is Sundays. It's a day to worship. It's a day to refresh. Mark chapter 6 says, And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there are many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Come rest a while. Let her be the satisfaction of a completed work. There's something about satisfaction when the work is completed. There is certainly satisfaction a completed job, which is the, in fact why we have the Sabbath and why it was given to all men. The Sabbath was originally created to celebrate the creation, six days of creation, then rest. But then the Lord and the apostles instituted the celebration of the resurrection on the first day, which is Sunday. The phrase, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, means to separate it or for it to be different. God wants one day to be completely different than all the rest of the days. This is why many towns never even had stores open on Sunday. Because they knew the importance of Sunday. The Sabbath is not only, I really want you to get this. It's not only an absence of labor. It is the presence of worship. It's not only the absence of labor. It is the presence of worship. The church is God's gift for spiritual renewal. Someone once said, if a man's business requires so much of his time that he cannot attend the services of his church, then that man has more business than God intended him to have. That's a deep thought. But I think it's one that's very true. Our life needs recharging like a battery. Make sure there is no corrosion. To make sure that there's no corrosion or sin on that battery or it will never be recharged. Four results just quickly of violating the Sabbath. These are things we talked about last week. There's literally a physical breakdown. There's a mental breakdown. There's spiritual bankruptcy because we need time for worship and waiting on God. And certainly there's family difficulties. I believe with all my heart it's important that we not only worship together, but we worship together as a family. Family worship is very important. When I go home from church on Sunday afternoons, we get into our car and my kids are tired and they've worked hard and and been, you know, played hard and learned and all those kind of things. But we always take a moment to say, what did you learn about? What did you learn about today? Because I want to make sure that my children are absorbing the things that they're being taught. Now, they may not get all the stories right. You know, Joseph may have ended up in the ark. 
are Noah in the belly of a whale, but that's okay. Because then we rearrange the stories and make sure they get them right. But I know that they're engaging themselves and being taught. And I want our family, just as other families, to have family worship together. Casting all your care upon him. First Peter says, for he careth for you. Number three, and I'm done. There is rest in a person. There is rest in a person. Many times the lack of rest is not from busyness. And I really want you to, to, to hear this. And, and if you've tuned me out, could you tune me in for just a moment? Many times the lack of rest is not from busyness. It is from a restlessness of the soul and spirit that only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy that. His forgiveness offers rest. His forgiveness offers rest to us as Christians today. The Bible says in Ephesians 1-7, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Sundays are a celebration of what Christ did for us on Calvary. And we have a hope and we have a rest that is only found in Jesus Christ. He is our hope and He is our rest. And then not only that, his security offers us rest. His forgiveness, the day that we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, should offer us rest. But can I tell you, there's something greater than that. It's the security that we have in Jesus Christ. It's the security that we have. And I give unto them eternal life, John 10, 28. And they shall what? Stay with me. And they shall what? Never perish. Listen to this. Neither shall any man Pluck them out of the Father's hand. No man, once I'm saved, there's nothing that can get me unsaved. Are you with me? Could I share an illustration like this? Very simple, a, a, a tissue like this. This is what salvation is like. This, this is you and me right here. And at the moment that Jesus Christ accepted us as our personal Savior, Jesus, with the nail-scarred hands, put us in his hand like this. And he closed his fist like this. And he said, I've got them now, they're mine. And then God the Father took his hand. And he put it over Jesus' hand. And says, well, I seal them to the day of redemption. And no man, no man can pluck them out of the Father's hand. Amen. No man. Listen, because of that, you can rest in the fact that Jesus is going to take care of you all of your life. He's got you. And we need to honor him in everything that he wants us to do. Precious, John Newton said, is the blood that healed us. Perfect for his grace that sealed us. Strong the hand that stretched forth to shield us. All is well. All is well. Trusting in the security of Christ brings great rest for our soul. We can rest in knowing that he cares for us every day of our lives. Come unto me. And this is where I close. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you need rest for your soul today? Do you need to rearrange priorities in your life around the command for the Sabbath? 
John 10, 10 says, For the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life, and not only that you have life, but you have it more abundantly. As I mentioned to you at the beginning of the passage, in prior generations, Americans got a lot less done on Sundays. But as a result, they got a lot more done on Mondays. After a day of rest, they attacked the week eagerly. So if you want to have a good Monday, let's plan to have great Sundays. Amen? I don't know about you, but I love Sundays. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?